Good morning, Impact City. Good morning. I am so excited. I'm delighted to be able to greet you today in the wonderful name of Jesus. I'm going to invite you to take your seats for just a moment. I'm excited. It's Communion Sunday. It's Baptism Sunday. Um, we are just excited for what, what, God is, what God is doing in our lives today. Y'all doing all right? Yeah? All right. I'm excited to, to kick off a new series that we will be going through for the next three weeks. It's called Christmas in the Impact City. I mean, Christmas in the City. Christmas in the City. Um, and we are excited to, to kick this off today. Uh, and I've entitled this particular message, Hope is Here. Hope is Here. I don't know what you're facing. But I do want to remind you that, that hope is here. And it is awesome to be able to hit this time of the year. And we always uh, are referencing some particular scriptures. And it never gets old, just like watching Elf never gets old, right? Every Christmas time. Some of you watch it every single day. You know who you are. But this particular time, we get to refocus on what Christmas is really about. We get to focus on what Christmas is really about. It's finally here. We can see it. We can hear it. The evidence is all around. This holiday season, with the tinsel, with the trees, with the nonstop treats, all of that can easily distract us from what Christmas really is. It can easily distract us from what really matters, which is the Christ child. This morning, I want to dive into the hope that comes to us through the birth of our Lord and Savior. And I'm sure that whether on a larger scale or on a smaller scale, there's each of us in this place today could use a little bit of hope. A little bit of hope this Christmas season. Maybe you've been put through some difficult situations this year. And you need some hope. Let us find the answers in the manger of Bethlehem. The prophet Isaiah writes one of the most classic of all Old Testament prophecies. About the coming birth of Jesus. And I want to understand the context of which, uh, or of which he is writing in, in this particular moment. He's writing, and this, this scripture is born in the gloom of darkness. The world, as they knew it during that particular era, had felt the full weight of sin. And it had wreaked havoc on all creation. So what Isaiah offered in Isaiah chapter 9 was something that the Israelites, something that the Jewish people needed more than anything in that particular moment. More than they needed resources, more than they needed provision, they needed hope to know that their circumstance, that their situation, that their current state would not last forever. Maybe that is you here today, that you have been 
put through trial after trial and situation after situation. And before you can overcome the, ne the next challenge, or before you can overcome, should I say, the present challenge, there's the next challenge that already is rearing its ugly head at you. But can I tell you today that you find yourself in a precarious situation and you're wondering to yourself, will life ever get better? Will my situation ever improve? Let me introduce you to the one that can do it all. Let me introduce you to the one who is still a way maker. Let me introduce you to the one that is still a miracle worker. Let me introduce you to the one that, that can provide the hope that you need in the hopelessness that you currently find yourself. His name is Jesus. What Isaiah offered was what they needed. Hope that one day someone would come to make all things right and restore what had truly been broken and what had been fragmented. So what we understand is the birth of Jesus was the fulfillment of that hope that was needed. And in fact, can I remind us all today that it offers us the same hope in 2022. We can learn a lot about having hope from children, the way they embrace the holiday season. Nothing says hope like the Christmas list children create for Christmas. It's one of my favorite things to do. It's one of my greatest memories. Not that you got everything on the list, but just being able to create that. To handwrite the items that they long to see on Christmas morning. The true reason that there is hope at the heart of Christmas is not because of the gifts that we give, but it is because of the gift that he gave. Because of the birth of Jesus, his arrival on this earth was the fulfillment to let us know that he is faithful to his word. That if it is said, if it is spoken, it will come to pass. So Jesus arrives in the New Testament, but it was spoken hundreds of years before. This prophecy that we understand is actually one of the most well-known scriptures, well-known passages of time that is shared as we, we enter this moment of celebration. Isaiah 9, 2 and 7, it'll be on the screen, says this, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. That day was coming for them. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire 
For to us, hallelujah, a child is born. To us, a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful. He'll be called Counselor. He'll be called Mighty God. He'll be called Everlasting Father. He'll be called Prince of Peace. What Isaiah is telling us is he'll be everything that you need. You won't have to be looking for anyone else. And look what he says of the greatness of his government and peace. There will be no end. Hallelujah. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing it and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. And the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. The backdrop of Isaiah's writing which is around 740 B.C., was the government that they were facing. The people of Israel had been suffering through the reigns of four ungodly kings, Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. These kings were corrupt, and they had led God's people away from him. And it was a very dark time in history. And Isaiah wrote this knowing that the people had this surrounding, this background knowledge, this understanding of what was taking place in their world. And Isaiah writes, and he knows that God would have to intervene to bring Israel back to himself. The kingdom was crumbling and the people needed hope. And this passage makes two major statements that I want to point out. And the first is this, that it is an acknowledgement of the brokenness. It is an acknowledgement of the condition that, and the darkness that surrounded Israel in that current time. It was due to the sin. It was due to the corruption that had taken place. And while that was the current state and while that, were, that, was the, that, was the, that were the facts of what they were facing, the second statement, I dare to say, is more powerful than the first statement. The second is the hope of a dawning light that would break through through the birth of a child who would come and make all things right. The Jewish people in the Old Testament needed these words to remind them in their moment, in that moment right there, that God had not forgotten about them. Can I tell you that God has not forgotten about you? Can I remind you today that God sees your trouble, that God sees the tears, that God sees the frustration, that God sees the worry? Can I tell you that God sees you right where you're at and that he hasn't forgotten about you? And I've come to serve notice and to remind you of the words that served good in the time of Isaiah, that they are still powerful and still working today in our lives, that he still brings hope. He still brings what you need. The book of Matthew also reminds us of Isaiah's writings. The gospel writer was making the connection between what the people understood through Isaiah, what had been written in the prophetic state, and what was taking place in the manger in Bethlehem. And what Matthew chapter 1 verses 22 and 23 tell us is that all this took place to fulfill what the Lord has said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with 
us. He's with us today. Joseph, a young Jewish man, was presented with a very difficult decision to make. He was engaged and married, and to be married to a woman named Mary, but she was already pregnant. Joseph planned to call the wedding off because it appeared to be that the bride-to-be had been unfaithful. But an angel stopped him in his tracks, spoke to him in a dream, and said, go forward with the marriage because the child that is in her womb was from the Holy Spirit. All of this took place to fulfill what the prophet Isaiah had spoken, which claimed that there would be a child that would be born, that would be as light in the darkness and a hope for all people. And the child would be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. And can I tell you that even in the midst of darkness, the first thing that I want to leave with you, the first of three, is that the presence of darkness threatens our hope. The presence of darkness, as we know it today, threatens the hope that we have. They work counter to each other. The center of, of the story of, of what Christmas is, is the birth of Jesus. We understand that. He is the fulfillment of the Israelites' hope that God would push back the darkness and bring forth the light into the world. And one of the reasons that I want to point out today is that Christmas resonates in our hearts is because we too live in a world that is similar to what Israel was facing. Our world is dark. And our world is corrupt. And our world is full of sin. The sin that so easily gets us entangled. There is war. There is disease. There is conflict. There is oppression all around us. And we too are in need of, Christ, of the Christ child to usher light into the darkness that we face and to push back the darkness that surrounds us. So Christmas is a reminder that whatever you face, that there is a hope that is greater than what you're facing. There is a hope for healing. There is a hope for restoration. There is a hope for forgiveness. Or maybe you just need hope of a fresh start. Whatever you're looking for today, I want to tell you that it is available through Emmanuel, who is God with us. And I want to clarify something because hope is not the absence of conflict. It doesn't mean that there won't be trials. It doesn't mean that there won't be difficulties. It doesn't mean that there won't be anything to, to face. But hope is a result of the direct presence of God. It is what his presence brings to our lives. And that's what I want to highlight today, that God's presence comes has come to give us hope. His presence has come to give us hope. The, the hard part about hope for you and I, though, is this, that it often takes longer than we would like to be fulfilled. We live in a microwave society where we want everything immediate. But just like the Jewish people had experienced, hope requires patience. I came across a story of a common plant that grows in the southwestern desert of the United States. And this plant is called, it's called the agave americana. It's also known as the century plant. 
because it thrives in rocky and dry and mountainous desert locations. It, it seems contrary to the, co the conditions that you and I would think are perfect for, for a plant to grow. But when we understand this plant can reach 12 feet in diameter and grow six feet in height, perhaps its most unusual trait it's, it's, is its reproduction cycle. For 20 to 30 years, this plant remains the same height and it puts out no flowers. But suddenly, without warning, a new bud will sprout, resembling a tree trunk sized asparagus spear. And it will rise and shoot up into the sky at the rate of seven inches per day until it reaches a height of 20 to 40 feet. Then it culminates with a crown of several clumps of yellow blossoms that last for three weeks. But can I tell you that similar to this century plant, some of the greatest answers to our hoping, to our longing, take time and patience in order to see the beauty unfold. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Isaiah saw that one day in the future, God would bring a great light and salvation through the birth of a child. And it was not until hundreds of years later that Matthew recorded Jesus' birth in Bethlehem. Jesus is the very presence of God on earth, and he offers forgiveness of sin. He offers destruction of evil, and he offers, most importantly, the promise of eternal life. So why do we read Isaiah's prophecy time and time again, Christmas after Christmas, because it's understanding the faithfulness of God in the past and knowing that he is the same yesterday, he is the same today, and he is the same forever. It gives us a deep and abiding knowledge and understanding and knowing the God that is at work in our lives in the present. It is to increase in us an unwavering trust for the future to let us know that if he has not failed us yet, he will continue to sustain us and he will continue to hold us. The Apostle Paul in the book of Romans reminds us of the importance of hope to those who trust in, in Christ. He writes in Romans 15 and 4, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the Scriptures and the encouragement they provide, that we might have hope that I could go back to the good book and read and know time and time again that through trial, God is there. That through challenges, God is there. That through 
through all the things, the chaos and the crisis of life, uh, that God always shines through. And if you go back to the end, and if you go to the end of the book, you want to know how the story ends? Uh, the church wins. So if you want to experience hope and embrace it in your life, I have to constantly go back and see, you know what? He was there for Abram. He was there for Isaac. He was there for Jacob. He was there for Noah. He was there for Moses. He was there for Joseph. He was there for Rahab. He's going to be here for me also. And I'm drawing to a close of the worship team will join me. Paul said everything that had been written in the past, all of the prophecy and its fulfillment is meant to teach us to hold on to faith. Hold on to faith in God, the one who, who answers, the one who makes a way the one who provides a path when you need it. What had been written and what has been written gives us endurance and encouragement that we would have hope. That we would know that he is true to his word. That Matthew happened, what Matthew wrote about was because it was spoken in Isaiah. And God is true to his word. And what he says to you today is truth, that I will be with you all the days until the end. What he says to you today is true, that he loves you with an unconditional love. That he loves you, that he died for you, that he cares for you, that you could cast your cares on him because he cares for you, that the story is here to remind us that I can go back and see his faithfulness time and time again and go back and know that he is still the same. So why is it important for us to know that the fulfillment that comes through the birth of Jesus because it reminds us that God can be trusted. It reminds us that he can be trusted to come through and meet us in the greatest time of our need. And for some of us in this place today, we find ourselves as the people of Israel found themselves in, in the times of the writing of Isaiah. You find yourself in a hopeless situation. You find yourself discouraged. You find yourself broken by relationships and just by life. You find yourself broken by the doctor's follow-up that says, I want to see you because we have to run some more tests. You find yourself discouraged, and you find yourself just overwhelmed with life, consumed by worry, and wondering, is there a way out? Can you let the reminder of the manger that, that he loves you enough to leave 
heaven's glory to come down and be born of a virgin and, and born in a, in a manger because he loves you that much. And he says, I care too much about you to leave you in a fallen state. I care too much to leave you broken. I care too much to leave you dismembered. I care too much to leave you without hope that I will come and I will bear what you can't bear and I will take what you can't take. So if you are in this place today, can I tell you that hope always shines through? Can I tell you that hope always shines through that while there may be distractions, that while there may be constant noise that you have to deal with, the message of Christmas is a reminder that hope is offered through Jesus' arrival in the manger, that our God is always right on time. That the answer that they were looking for was found in that stable in Bethlehem. And the answer that you're looking for today it's found in that same place. What you need is found in the manger. Jesus is all that you need. He offers hope for the hopeless. You may have tried other things. You may have looked at other options. You may have tried to fill the void inside you with other things. But I want to invite you. Can you redirect your attention to Jesus today? Can you redirect your attention to the one that holds it all in the palm of his hands? He can do what you can't. He can work through what you can't work through. He can do it. He can solve it. He can restore it. He can make it good. And he can be trusted to reveal the light in your darkness. In your present darkness, he can shine forth and push back the darkness. So in this land that we live in, and in the land that you live in, that may be full of darkness, I want to tell you that a light shines through that is greater than what you face and that light is Jesus I want to invite you today that, that you could resurrect some hope to know that he's always at work and to know that he's got you and to know that he won't fail you Father I thank you this morning I thank you this morning for your word that is alive that is sharper than a two-edged sword. I thank you today that some of us in this place are in need of hope. Hope that you are faithful and have provided all that we need by sending Jesus. We ask that the light of his life would shine in our lives and that we would be able to lift our heads and our eyes to you. We offer to you the areas of our lives where we need our presence, where we need your presence. There's areas in our lives that we surrender today to you and we say, we cannot do this, but you can. So we trust you today with those areas. With the areas that it's been more dark 
than the sun has shined. With the areas that have wanted to overwhelm us, with the thoughts that have wanted to consume us, right now, God, we turn to you. We ask that your light would shine through. We ask that light shines in darkness and the darkness comprehends it not. We thank you for the hope that can only come from you. Thank you for showing us, for reminding us that the hope we have in you is greater than whatever we face. We need you today. Some of us are facing unsurmounting challenges. Some of us today are facing weariness where we're just tired. Some of us here today are facing areas where we feel confused. Some of us are facing the need for you to shine through. So God, I ask that you reveal yourself, that you show yourself strong in the trouble and in the trial, that you would remind us that you are the answer. For everyone hurting in this place, for everyone overwhelmed, that you would show up. I thank you for healing. I thank you for restoration. I thank you for making a way where there is no way. With every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe you're in this place today. And this is the first time you're here. This is the first time that you hear about Jesus and what he has to offer you. I can tell you what he offers you is unlike anything you've been offered in life. And you're carrying your shame and you're carrying your guilt. You're holding on to it. Jesus says, come to me. All those that are heavy burdened, all those that are laden, all those that are carrying something that is too much for you, he says, I'll give you rest. True rest for your soul. True rest for your mind. He offers it to you. And you've never had the opportunity today, and you've never had the opportunity leading up to today to make Jesus the Lord of your life. And you say, today's the day that I give my heart to Jesus. I'm tired of trying to do this on my own. I need him to be the Lord of my life. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if that is you, I invite you to just raise your hand as a sign of surrender right where you're at. Right where you're at, God sees you. God sees you. Would you say this? Would everyone at the sound of my voice say this prayer with me? Dear Jesus, thank you for dying for me, for taking my place, for loving me when I was unlovable. I give you my hurt. I give you my shame. I give you my guilt. 
Come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. And let me live the life you died to give me. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give God praise for everyone that accepted him today?